Here's an urgent alert from the Student Loan Hotline. The average student loan debt is $25,000. Have you been out of college for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? If you are struggling with paying off your student loan, if you are past due, we can help. Nationwide Student Loan Relief can now restructure your student loans. We can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop harassing collection calls, and even eliminate your student loan payment. If you can't afford your student loans, or if you're past due and you need help, you must call right now. We will restructure your loan or your money back, and that's a guarantee. So call the Student Loan Hotline right now. Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Now, today we have a guest, don't we? Yes, we do. we got Barry Bloom from MLB.com to talk about the upcoming uh, baseball playoffs, which I think are, are going to be a lot of fun this year, as usual. Yeah, one of the things I, I wanted to ask him is, uh, this is one of the few years that it's like the teams... Are, they're either way ahead or they're just completely out of it. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, you look at Cleveland, Los Angeles, Washington, Houston. All four of those teams just blew away the competition. You wonder how good are they going to be in the postseason. Yeah. You know, do you, did they save anything? You want to save it for the postseason. The yeah, hottest teams it, usually win. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I mean, the wild. I remember when in two thousand and two we had two wild card teams in the in the World Series, the Angels and the Giants, because they were the two hottest teams. So. And the Dodgers uh, were on quite a slump, weren't they? They were. Now, they seem to be coming out of it. They seem to be coming out. By the way, I just wanted to get kudos in to rookie Deshaun Watson of Houston. I heard a story today uh, through the media that he donated his entire $27,000 first uh, NFL paycheck to three women who work in the cafeteria at the Houston um, Texas Stadium who had lost their homes during the hurricane, and he really be, he's become friends with them, and they've had some rough times. So he just said, you know, I'm going to be making lots of money. I'm going to help these gals out. They need the help. Good for good so, for you know, them. I mean, that, isn't that nice? That's, that is That's really a feel-good story. We hear all yeah. about selfish athletes and athletes who won't stand for the national anthem and athletes who yeah. get into trouble, and then we have a guy like this. And there are more stories like that out there, and I wish we could tell more of them because well, I think people well, need to hear that. Once we find out more, we will tell more. Yes. All right. At each commercial break, we're going to ask a baseball question because we're going uh, to baseball because we're going to have Barry Bloom on. Barry Bloom. All right, because talking baseball. Bad Bloom. That's what we used to call Bad him back then. Well, a friend of mine, Sam Skinner, used to sit in the practice box. He goes, what you doing here, Bad Bloom? Bad Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this segment yeah. of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments still currently yielding over 7.5% fast. In fact, last month it was 8.14%. Oh, nice. Sweet. Doesn't get any more conservative than that. Check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. You'll learn all about them. Don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101 will be right back.
This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent, so email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Book Club Radio. Today we're chatting with Mike Papantonio, leading trial lawyer and prolific author. His latest novel, Law and Vengeance, is a nonstop action-packed legal thriller. We spoke with him about the book and the real-life issues that inform and inspire his writing. When you read these books, you're going to hear me talk about uh, what I call biostitutes. A biostitute may be a scientist. They will say anything that needs to be said for the right number of millions of dollars. And right now, that industry is just expensive. Expanding bigger than I've ever seen. I've been doing this for 35 years. So when you see my books, whether it's Law and Disorder, whether it's Law and Vengeance, the next one coming out is um, Law and Addiction. When you read those books, you'll really see me beating on these biostitutes because it is an industry that runs the risk of destroying everything we believe, and that is we believe that capitalism works fairly. When you put a biostitute in the process, it doesn't. On the heels of the critically acclaimed legal thriller, Law and Disorder, comes Law and Vengeance, the latest novel from famed trial attorney Mike Papantonio. Law and Vengeance follows the law firm of Bergman Decatomas, who is now in the crosshairs of a weapons manufacturer. But this is not a law firm that plays by all the rules. Based on a real case, Law and Vengeance, the riveting new legal thriller by Mike Papantonio, is available wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McAllen. Bruce, who's on the phone? Well, I hate to, to sound like an old guy, but I, I just know Barry and I are the same age, and we've known each other for 40 years, wow. more than 40 years, actually. We met at a, a Warriors game way back in the day when Barry was freelancing, and I was uh, just getting started in broadcasting. It's a pleasure to have him aboard again with us. Uh, he's been with us mm-hmm. from time to time. Barry's a, a longtime writer with MLB.com, and you can read his uh, – his articles online, go to MLB.com, some great stuff in there. And Barry, uh, great to have you with us. And, and let's talk a little bit about, it looks like we've pretty much got all eight teams in, although Colorado, as we speak, hasn't clinched, but that's probably a fait accompli in, in the next day or two. What's your, what's your read on this postseason? Because Edward and I were talking 
I'm talking about this off off air about how you have four teams that just blew away the competition, yeah. and then you have a lot of hungry teams that are kind of trying to you know come in under the radar. How do you look at uh, this postseason? Well, actually, you know, you're back in the old ball career. There's ten teams. Ten teams. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. We got the two wild cards in each. Uh, yeah. You like the? By the way, do you like the wild card game? That one game. I think it's kind of cool. Like it. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just simple. I mean, baseball came late to the table uh, in the '90s that every other sports league had already come to. It's like the more teams you keep involved, the longer in the season, the more fans are involved, the more fans come to games. I mean, you're down here where. You know, teams were finally eliminated uh, in the American League like yesterday. And today, you know, we're still talking about, even though the Rockies have a healthy lead with two and a half games to go, uh, two, two and a half games up with, with I think, three or four more to go, uh, you know, there's still a chance that they could fall. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 it's, it's a good thing. And it, it's a rare year, you know, because as you pointed out, you know, you have a bunch of teams that ran away with the division titles this year, which kind of reminds me of the old American League National League when there was just no divisions. Yeah, I was going to say, before like, 1969, uh, you, you just had, you know, the Yankees playing the Dodgers in the World Series. That was it, you know? And, and oh, so I agree, I agree that it, I mean, it makes for, for better baseball. 1947 to 1966, the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Giants were in the World Series every year except for 1948. Mm. One combination or the other of those. Amazing. Uh, Milwaukee Braves. That went forward through, you know, the Dodgers and the Giants moved to L.A. and San Francisco, too. Yeah. But the the Yankees were in it every year in 64. Dodgers were in it in 65, 66. So the dominance of those three teams out of the sort of nucleus of the New York area and where the development of baseball came in. Certainly the Dodgers and the Giants were two of the teams that integrated faster than anybody else. The Dodgers did it first, and then the Giants did it to keep up with them. And then the Yankees were slow at it, but you know they were still a team that was so talented that you know with an all-white team, they won five World Series in a row from 1949 to 1953, you know, uh, without even integrating until like the middle of the 50s. Yeah. You, you know, Barry, let me... And that caught up with them in the 60s. Yeah. Barry, let me ask you about that. Um, you know, for teams that took a while to integrate, you know, how did they get the scouts out there to... I mean, you can, you know, baseball players are baseball players. You can you can look at talent. But, you know, with the Negro Leagues, you had a lot of players. I mean, how many scouts were out there? You, you, you know what I mean? Well, this was an ethos, you know, that came from the top of ownership down. And, you know, uh, with the Yankees in particular, I mean, George Weiss was anti-Semitic. He was, uh, he was, you know, he was racist. He was the general manager of the team up until they got rid of him and Stengel after the 1960 season. But what happened to, if you look at the 60s, where the Red Sox, it took the Red Sox until... They were the last team to integrate, and it took the Red Sox to 1967 to get to the World Series. And that was kind of an anomaly year before they really restocked. And, you know, you got into the 70s where they where they really started getting, you know, good. Lost in the World Series in 75. Lost the fucking 10 came in 78. You know, lost in the World Series in 86 to the Mets. 
and they had a core of you know of, of good black players at that point. But it set the Yankees back in that era from 1964 to 1976. It really set the Yankees back because they had not drafted, or even in the early going, they had signed black players and have them developing in the minor leagues. Now, their first round of, of black players was, you know, after Elston Howard, who was obviously a good player, but, you know, he wasn't a top-of-the-line black player from that era. I mean, their next round was, you know, Alan Downing, uh, you know, Horace Clark, you know, the, uh, Roy White. I mean, these were all, you know, good young players, but there's a reason why the 1964 to 1976 Yankees are called the Horace Clark era, and that's one of the worst errors in, in franchise history. Horace Clark, I always remember that uh, that name. He was an interesting and player. Yeah. because they were so late able to develop black players. Yeah. And you look at the Cardinals, uh, you know, my favorite writer and old friend, you know, the late David Halberstam wrote a great book on the 64 Cardinals mm. and how they integrated as quickly as they did and they dominated the National League in the 60s because of Bob Gibson. Lou Brock trained, mm-hmm. bringing in Bill White, Bob Gibson developing out of the system. You know, they had tremendous, uh, you know, black players on that team. You know, a bunch of Hall of Famers at this point. Kind of funny that St. Louis was really kind of a southern town, and yeah. New York yeah. and Boston are northern cities, and yet exactly. New York and Boston had ownership that was, as you mentioned, racist and behind the times, and St. Louis was a lot more, uh, you know, forward-thinking. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I think it was, yeah, because they, it was, you know, the Bushes were, you know, a multi-national, you know, they owned a brewery that was multinational. Anheuser Bush rather than uh, George Bush, just, just to make sure that the audience understands. That's a Bush with a C. Um, you know, then going forward, you know, it, it, they, um, you know, they had, they were also off of the branch Ricky, you know, trick. Yeah. Because branch Ricky before he went to the Dodgers, he developed their the minor league system in it. In the in the forties for the for the Cardinals for the Cardinals yeah and their their most common errors were you know it's kind of weird with the Cardinals because they go through ups and downs but you know they were very dominant in the forties very dominant in the 50s, very dominant in the eighties very dominant in the first decades of the twenty first century and, uh, and, and and into you know uh, as late as two thousand thirteen they were in the World Series yeah yeah, so yeah. the, the uh, you know they've gone through through their spurts, but back again, it's only the one New York team. The Dodgers and Giants were way ahead of the game, and part of that too was that you know their ballparks were in you know definitively low income neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and they had to start catering to the people who were uh, around them in the neighborhoods that were, that, that was changing as you know the the, the neighborhoods around. You know, in Flatbush, around Evans Field, and over Harlem, were integrating and becoming, you know, greatly black and Hispanic neighborhoods. So they really had to, at a time where, you know, gate was so important to the sport, it wasn't big television radio money. You know, you had to start catering to the community. Yeah. And then it reached a tipping point where, you know, white people didn't really want to come to those ballparks anymore. And, you know, even though we talk about, 
or especially, you know, the former commissioner, my friend Bud Silvig, called the 50s the golden era of baseball. Well, really not. I mean, there's a reason why the Dodgers and Giants left New York. I mean, hmm. Dodgers drew a million people. They, you know, their last game at Evans Field was 7,000. Mm. And wow. the thing with the Giants, the last, they drew like well under a million in their last season. I think they, their last season they broke a million was 54 when they won the World Series. Yeah. Hmm. But, and then after that, the, you know, the attendance at the Polo Grounds, which is more of been, there was no place to park. No. Well, it's more of a football field anyway. Hey, uh, Barry, stay with us. we got to cut to a com- quick commercial break. If you know the answer to this, uh, you'll, we'll let you answer when you get back. Here's our first uh, baseball question. Who was the first Major League Baseball player to have their signature branded on a Louisville Slugger bat? Mm. Interesting question. Good All one. right. Okay. Email edward at sportsecon101.com the answer to that question. When we come back, I want to ask Barry, because he's a historian, how did the St. Louis Cardinals in the 30s get the name the Gas House Gang? Ah. All right, don't touch that now. Sports <laughs> Econ 101. I'll be right back. Results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. They can take your property, take you to court, even put you in jail. One call to Wall and Associates and your tax problems are solved. Wall has saved clients over $150 million in the last five years. Our average client settles for about 10% of what is owed. With one call to Wall, you'll never need to talk to the IRS again. We offer free face-to-face consultations in your local area. Remember, Wall has a proven track record with a total client savings over $150 million. Call now for your free face-to-face consultation. 800-813-9940. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? 
but it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit, but you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our first trivia question. Who was the first Major League Baseball player to have their signature branded into a Louisville Slugger bat? I'm going to let Barry try to take a stab at that because I'm, I'm just, I don't know. Barry, you have any idea? I'm going to say Babe Ruth. Uh, before him. Ty Cobb? Before him. Uh, a little bit before him. Uh, how about... Uh... Who, who's the main man? Oh, um, that would be Hannes Wagner. Yeah, Hannes Wagner. Wagner. Yeah, isn't that amazing? There you go. Okay. Uh, and, and uh, Barry, uh, I know we want to go back in time for uh, what we were talking about before, but uh, I, I did want to ask you, how did St. Louis get the name the Gas House Gang? Uh, you know, really, it's, it, it, it's a good question. Huh. Okay. Uh, and uh, it, it's not one of those things that... Uh, that I know off the top of my head. Oh, okay. No, no problem. Bruce, you want to ask? A- no, I was going to say, uh, you know, talking to... Yeah, there you go. Look it up on Wikipedia. came from the team's generally very shabby appearance and rough and tumble tactics. Yeah. Ah, okay. Interesting. Well, you know, I, uh, we were talking a little bit about off the air about the San Francisco Giants who won three World Series in five years with a core of some great pitchers, Lincecum, Baumgartner, and Matt Cain. Matt Cain is finally calling it quits. He has not had a good year this year. and uh, But it's it's nice to see that they're going to honor him on his birthday on Sunday. He'll pitch in his final game on Saturday. Uh, he gave a very emotional speech apparently yesterday in Phoenix. And I think you might have even been at the game, Barry, because you were down there probably covering the Diamondbacks-Giants uh, game. And you know what has Matt Cain meant meant to the Giants? I mean, you're you're not here all the time in the Bay Area as we are, and we know what what he means. But from a from a national perspective, he's not a, a glamorous guy. He's not a real out, outspoken guy. He doesn't you know have the flashiness that some pitchers like a Kershaw or a, a Madison Bumgarner have. But but it just seems like um, he he sort of exemplifies old school baseball. If if he can, pardon me for using a term you know <laughs> that's used too often. What's your impression of Matt Cain? Because you've gotten to know him a little bit. Uh, I think it's very interesting with Matt Cain because I, I, I found that when Matt Cain was going through the height of his career and he was doing well, he was one of the most arrogant and unapproachable kids the Giants had in the in, in, in the clubhouse. Huh. And I told over the course of the years, you know, I, gra- I you know I had the great relationship with Bonds, and I gravitated a lot, just like a lot of people did to Lincecum. Lincecum and I had a great relationship, uh, you know. Bumgarner is Bumgarner. He's that, you know, grounded, you know, Southerner who, you know, has 
little to say, but, you know, is, is always very available. But, you know, Matt and I were kind of, you know, really never got along until he got hurt. Huh. And when he realized that, uh, you know, there was a downside to the game and he wasn't, and he was struggling to get back from one injury after another. And it, I, I think it, it brought him down to size. Mm-hmm. He started to become older. You know, some, some people take a long time to mature. He matured. You know, uh, he became much more accessible, I thought. And, you know, the last couple of days, as this has all been going on, you know, the Giants clubhouse, you know, where Boach gave him the start, and there was the question about what was going to happen in the offseason, and then, you know, he was following it and, you know, making the decision about it. I had some really nice talks with him the last couple of days. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Your, your experience with him is a little different than mine. I, I got to know him when he was a rookie, and I had never, never had a problem, but I think one of the things that helped me out was I was working with the Giants' flagship, and he knew that, and so he made an effort. Um, but it is interesting how sometimes it takes players a while to warm up to the media and to just feel comfortable in their own skin, and I think Matt Cain is, has become that kind of a guy. I want to get back to, to the here and the now of the, of the playoffs, though, and you know, you're down in Arizona. That team really intrigues me. That's a team that could give the Dodgers – a lot of trouble if they win the wild card. You know, you look at the middle of that lineup. J.D. Martinez, an incredible season. You know, you projected over the course of 160 games, he'd be he'd be breaking all sorts of records. Paul Goldschmidt, Mike Lamb. I mean, that's a nasty yeah. middle of the lineup. How do you see Arizona and their chances uh, if they go up against the Dodgers in the division series? Uh, if that's if the Dodgers beat Washington, do that's assuming they're going to they're going to get past Dusty Baker's uh, Nationals. Yeah. Oh, no, the Cubs are playing Washington. Oh, that's right. The Cubs are playing Washington. So they have to, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. So, you know, so let's, let's take this in two parts. A, let's go back to the original question that we digressed from earlier when we went into all the stuff about you know, baseball history. This is the year where it's the worst polarization of teams in Major League Baseball that I've ever seen. The worst They're polarization, all- you're saying? You know, the difference between the good and the bad. Yeah. This is, you know, what you have in the playoffs this year are really the five best teams in both leagues. And the rest of the teams in both leagues pretty much stink. They just do. I mean, it's just I've never seen a more more disparity in baseball than this year. And consequently, the good teams were beating up and feeding on these bad teams all year. So you don't really have a sense of, you know, it, it's why, I mean, in the Nationals case, you know, they ran away from the NLE because the other four teams in in their division are not competitive. Well, do you think the Mets really and, could? It really, the Mets really couldn't help themselves with all the injuries they had. I mean, they it were... It doesn't matter why. Yeah. It is what it is. Sure, sure. They were not competitive. Yep, they weren't. And it, and it was from the get-go, they were not competitive. Yeah. And, and essentially, you know, you had three... Three teams, the three teams in the NL West who are competitive, because the Dodgers fed off of all these bad teams all summer. They created distance in there that they went twenty games up and sixty games over five hundred. You know, before they they collapsed at the end of August, and you know, and, and they had such a healthy lead that even when the Diamondbacks won thirteen in a row, they can only cut the Dodger market margin in half, you know, yeah. they're nine and a half games out at this point with the Dodgers having won a hundred games and, have, you know, if they hadn't had that, you know, that bad spurt, 
you know, they might have, you know, been close to 116 and and and, and the record. Mm-hmm. It, 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 so now you're where you are. Okay, you've got the best five teams in the National League really going up against each other. And you know, by all rights, if you look at the wild card games this year, Diamondbacks at home against Colorado with Frankie on the mound, Yankees against Minnesota in the you know in the in the AL with Severino on the mound against the team, the Twins that never win at Yankee Stadium. I mean, right, these are these games, if those two teams don't win their games, they don't deserve to go on in the playoffs. But I, I think they, you know, the, the Diamondbacks, to your point about, you know, where where they are, they're, they're such a dominant team this year, everything is clicking. And, you know, they had J.D. Martinez, you know, in the middle of July in, in, in probably the best trade of the, of the, of the summer. And, you know, this guy has an epic September of historic, I mean, it's gotten now to historic numbers where, you know, he had tied Ralph Kiner's record yesterday for you know, most homers in, in in a month. You know, he, he's, he's right there with 35, 36 RBIs, the most RBIs in a month. He started the month with a, with a four-homer game at Badger Stadium and, and, and never stopped. And it just seems like he's in one of these grooves where – Every game is going to do something, and it doesn't matter. He goes to right field and hits it out. He, he pulls it and hits it out. He doubles. He singles. You know, he's uh, as, as good a hitter right now in this short period of time as he's ever been. He's like Roy Hobbs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what, what do you think uh, Aaron Judge will uh, end up with with Homer in homers? I'm sorry? Uh, what do you think Aaron Judge will uh, end up with homers? How many? Well, he's already got 50, right? So, I mean, it'll be, you know, somewhere, you know, probably 52 or 53. You know, and it's interesting because I went to the last game of the season when McGuire was a rookie, and I remember he had 49 home runs, and Hal McCray, I mean, it was a a game that did not mean anything, and Hal McCray was uh, coaching for uh, Kansas City. And he intentionally walked him. Yeah, that doesn't I mean, I you me. know, yeah. I look at that and I go, and everyone was booing like crazy. Yeah. Well, it's you like know, these you things know, happen, come, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, I mean, for what? Yeah, I what? Know. what, what oh, why would you do something like that? Comparison to, you know, what was it? Two years ago already? It was two years ago already. Three years ago, Jared Jeter played his last game at Yankee Stadium, and the and the Orioles had clinched the day before. It was the bottom of the bottom of the ninth. The Yankees. The door at Yankees had a runner on second base. Peter come into the plate. They left Zach Britton, Buck Showalter left, left, left Brent, Zach Britton in the bullpen. He let the kid who was on the mound, I remember, was pitched to Peter. He didn't walk Peter. And Peter, in his last at bat at Yankees, didn't got a base hit to right field and won the game. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, that. I that was a great moment. About it, and my respect for Buck in doing that, just like you're talking about with McCray. The opposite. Yeah. Undying. Exactly. And I, and, I, and I said to him later on, and I at the winter meetings that year, I said, you know, uh, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect to you pitching for Jeter in that situation. Exactly. It's not like and it's... Said, a... And he said to me, why do you think I did? And I said... Because it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean it's 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 good for baseball, you yeah. know. It's, and it's not like he well, served he's up hit, a softball to him. He had a you know? he had a good 
right. overview. He had yeah. the, the big picture in mind. You know, back to Arizona. I don't want to. Oh, wait, you know, oh, we got to catch okay. another commercial yeah. break here. Boy, we're moving so uh, long I know. here so fast. <laughs> it, goes, it goes kind of yeah, bad. Yeah. No, but I like that when, I, when, when yeah. a coach looks at the big yeah. picture. I mean, obviously, if it's a game that, like, you know, World Series game, that's different. Game seven type of thing. Sure. Of course, you do something yeah, yeah. different. But again, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, do what's good for, yeah, the, for, exactly. the, for the game. All right, here's our second baseball trivia question. Who were the, you have to name all three of them. Who were the first three members of the 500 Home Run Club? Oh, good one. Okay, all yeah, right. and you'll you'll probably know this. Sure, of course you will. Look at it. he's got the, he's got that he's got that. <laughs> you can't see it, Barry, but uh, he's got that grin on his face. I'm like, going to let Barry answer that though. Yeah, he's I, our, I know he's our baseball these. expert. All right, all right. Don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101 is going to be right back. Sports Econ 101 listeners, I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent. So email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. At Robert Half, we know finding the right employees is a job in itself, and it's a job we love. You see, Robert Half isn't just a staffing firm. We're people. People who believe in finding the right people to fit your company's needs. Because employees who are a good fit are more productive, more engaged. Finding a great candidate isn't easy, but at Robert Half, we know it's possible. Robert Half, the experts in accounting, finance, IT, legal, marketing, and administrative staffing. Learn more at roberthalf.com. Attention to anyone that's written a book or wants to write a book. The process is not that complicated. Take a first step. Even if you write a page a day, you'll build momentum and your book will become a reality. The hard part is getting it published. That's when you need to call Page Publishing. They've got hundreds and hundreds of thank yous from different new authors just like you. They make the process of publishing your new book and getting it sold online a simple process. You can learn how simple it is right now by calling for your free page publishing new author submission kit one quick three-minute phone call that's all it takes to get free information and learn how you can get your book published pick up your phone right now and call us 24 hours a day at this number 800-603-0885 800-603-0885 that's 800-603-0885 the lodge at tiburon is steps from the ferry docks and nestled among tiburon's upscale boutiques charming cafes and unique galleries dine at the award-winning tiburon tavern serving innovative dishes prepared with ingredients grown in our very own gardens starting from 199 dollars a night join us at the lodge at tiburon 
and create long-lasting memories. For reservations, call 1-877-614-6068. Join us at the Lodge at Tiburon or go to lodgeattiburon.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Third, uh, excuse me, second trivia question. Who were the first three members of the 500 Home Run Club? Let's see if Barry knows that one. I think I have an answer, but I'm, I'm going to see if Barry knows it. Yep. Obviously, the first one was Ruth. Correct. Babe Ruth. Yeah, there's no question about that. Yeah. And then if you, if you think through off the top of my head, so Garrick fell short because he got sick. I think he finished like in the Who? four. Garrick. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Well, well, yeah, 490s or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I don't think Mutual ever made it because of the war. Yeah. I'm going to go Williams, the second one. Williams, Ruth, and uh, maybe Willie Mays? No. No? You got Ruth in 1929. You got Jimmy Fox in Oh, 1940. Jimmy Fox. Right. Yeah. And then you got Mel Ott in Mel 1945. Ott. Yeah. 511, because I remember it's the same number as Cy I Young, keep forgetting so. Mel Ott was not a big guy either, but he had this weird swing where he'd right. lift his foot. His He was a left-handed hitter. He'd lift his right foot, and nobody else batted that way until I think Sada, Barry didn't Sadahara oh yeah. the, the great Japanese player yep, do that he did that I remember yeah, that. yeah. He, he sort of and he had like 800 home and he said he had I guess he had studied Mill a lot when he was a boy and just kind of fell in love with that style well you know we were talking earlier about about these playoff teams and I, I don't want to you know spend too much time talking about Arizona because they're just one of 10 teams but uh you cover them and you're in the desert down there with them going to a lot of their games you know, do they have Arizona? Phoenix is kind of an interesting town. It's sort of a, a place where a lot of people from other parts of the country move to. Do they have a hardcore following? Do people talk about them around town? Are they as popular a team as as, as you'd expect them to be? No, uh, you know, and, and, and I remember it. You know, having been you know, there. This is like the nineteenth season, I think, or twentieth season of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball here, and I remember being. In San Diego, in a similar situation, when I covered the Padres, you know, they were there in '84, which was about 15 when they won. It was like 15, 16 years away from expansion. You know, now they're the Padres are a team with like 50 year history, so there's a, a huge base of Padres fans who grew up as Padres fans now. You know, and and you know the interesting thing about it, you know, because I've been looking at comparative attendance figures, and that. As bad a season as the Padres have had, you know they've draw, outdrawn the Diamondbacks by about a hundred thousand. Is that right? Uh, and their average attendance is a bit higher. And I have no doubt that if the situation was different, and the Padres were in the situation the Diamondbacks are in right now, they'd be up over three million people because it's a destination ballpark. It's a it's a huge now, you know, generational homegrown fan base. You know, people uh, from out of town like to go to that place. Yeah. Here you're in a situation where it's a lousy ballpark. The, the city, so the Mexican and the team are fighting over who's supposed to maintain it, and it's falling into it, it, it's a lousy shape. Mm. You know, you've got uh, the summers here, and people leave here during the summer. They don't come here, you know, to, to, to vacation, <laughs> recreation, or vacation. Yeah, they do that in the, in the off season. Yeah, that's right. You know, and plus you have, a, 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 you know. A day deluge of pro sports teams here, college sports teams, recreational sports. No, oh, it's a great sports are, town. Are, yeah, you have like uh, eleven, you know, major league spring training franchises. You know, uh, that you know, a ballparks and fifteen franchises that work out here. Mm. I mean, there's just there's a soccer team. There's so much stuff. Yeah, to compete with. 
you know, that, uh, you know, we're in like San Diego County now, you're down to like one sports ticket. Yeah. And, and the assets, and that's it. So the yeah. competitive nature of it is completely different. But yeah, I mean, I was heartened by the fact that that the Diamondbacks fan base holds out, you know, like uh, their wild card game tickets, their available wild card game tickets on Monday and like, an hour after they quit. Oh, that's good. Uh, you know, because they deserve they deserve to have a, a great crowd there. That, that's a fun team to watch. I mean, I would love to see, to be honest with you, I would love to see them in the World Series. I know that the, the television moguls wouldn't like that because they're not from, you know, they're not from L.A., they're not from well, Chicago. Here's the thing about them is that the, the rest of the world, if they go past the wild card game, is going to start discovering them because they're probably the most underexposed team in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Well, well, tell, well that, the 2001 uh, you know, against the Yankees, that was a really exciting series. Yeah, that was. It was. Yeah, that, yeah, one of the best. Yeah. And speaking of teams that are under the radar, you know, you you uh, mentioned briefly the Minnesota Twins who will play the Yankees in the wild card game and probably will lose. But just for Minnesota, after losing a hundred and three games a year ago to be in the playoffs, that's quite an accomplishment. And I was I was listening to a lot of their players after they clinched. Uh, a playoff berth the other night, and listening to Paul Molitor, who you know and I know, is a great guy. Uh, they just have a – it's a wonderful mix of, of youngsters, and mostly youngsters, and guys like, a, you know, Joe Maurer is still around. You never know. I mean, just for them to get to the playoffs, that's a great story. Yeah, in fact, uh, you know, uh, I, I wrote a column on them in August, early August, after the trade deadline where they actually threw in the towel and traded people. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, and, and, and the attitude in there was, you know, then they ran off of a winning streak, and Molitor's attitude and the players' attitude was they were all pissed off at upper management for doing it, that they were going to dig in and, uh, and play the best they could, and they just never gave up on the season. I, I just think it was tremendous. Yeah. I wrote in that column, look out for these guys. They're still, you know, a good run here is going to put the either in the, at that time before the Indians went bonkers, they were like five or six games out of the division lead and well positioned to the wild card. And of course, the Indians blew them out, but you know the wild card they they they, they sustained it. Yeah, Hollander's one of the one of the managers right now who's you know in his in his out year, and uh, there was some question because of the change in management upper management last year, he was still under contract for a year, so they kept him in place. There was a question of whether or not they were going to bring him back next year. Interesting. Now I think that sort of answers that question. That has answers that How can they not bring him back? How can they not bring him back? How about Cleveland? Now, that, is there any team right now, I mean, on paper, and the way they've been playing, it just seems like they're the team to beat in the American League, but things can change in a short series. What's your what's your observations of the Cleveland Indians? Because that's a team that, for a while there, was just a, on a, an amazing streak. Yeah, I've been saying since the middle of the summer that they're going to win the World Series this year. To me, they're the Kansas City Royals of 2014. Hmm. They were the team that lost to the Giants on the last pitch of the World Series in 2014. And then in 15, they came back, you know, used that as a rallying point and then essentially clobbered the Mets in the World Series to win the World Series. And that the Indians were the team that they went down to the last pitch last year before losing to the Cubs in the Game 7 of an epic World Series. You know, they, they reconstituted, unlike last year, if you remember, they went into the into September and into the postseason, you know, without their full, you know, their full starting rotation. Carrasco was after the season, uh, you know, uh, there were there there were a couple of other guys. Salazar had pitched, so he 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 wound up in the bullpen. 
during the playoffs. You know, so essentially they had three starters that they went all the way with. Not this year. This year everybody's pitching. Carrasco's pitching great. Bowers had a great season. You know, Kluber, for my money, if not, is the best pitcher in the American League. You know, and it's hard, you know, when you have Frankie Kershaw, uh, you know, all, all, you know, Gio Gonzalez, Scherzer in the National League to say he's the best pitcher in baseball, but he's right up there. Yeah. And, and he's one of my favorite pitchers to watch because if you talk about old school, this is a guy who doesn't throw max velocity every time he throws the ball. He sets up his best ball with his breaking pitches. He, he throws strikes, which is my biggest argument. I mean, when we were kids, and I hate to go back to this, pitchers threw strikes. <laughs> and, it, it, and, and they're also, you know, with the ethos now where hitters are trained to go deep into counts and foul pitches off and, and knock a starter out, when you have 100 pitches to work with or 120 pitches to work with, You've got to be economical on how you use those pitches. It's not like when we were kids, everybody went out and threw 150 pitches every day. Yeah. It, their arms would have fallen off. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, but they were very economical, and 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 and, and hitters were so you know uh, intimidated by a lot of those guys that you know if they got a pitch to hit early in the camp, they went they went for it, and those and those guys were good enough to get ground balls, and, you know, they didn't rely on the strikeout, and it's like, that's where Kluber is right now, that's how good he is. Now, it's I interesting mean, you bring up Kluber, I, and then you talk about a guy like Kershaw, who is, you know, obviously the class, but he has not been able to break through in the postseason, and I'm wondering if that is weighing on him a little bit, or he seems like a very cerebral guy, I've spoken to him several times, I'm sure you've gotten to know him quite well. Um, is he a kind of a guy that's going to let his past failures haunt him, or is he going to be use that maybe as a as a uh, a motivation to sort of push him forward? Well, it, you know, I think there's a couple of elements to this this year. I mean, uh, it, I think you're right. I think no matter what guys say, you know, Maddox was never a great pitcher in the postseason. He, I mean, he had his game, but he, but by and large, you know, you can get the Maddox in the postseason. You know, and I and a lot of it is the cumulative effect of throwing so many innings in a season, mm-hmm. and when you get to the postseason, you know what you relied on during the regular season isn't there. You have to make adjustments on how you pitch, and I don't think Kershaw is very good at making those adjustments. Hmm. Plus, he misses pitches, especially in the stretch, and teams like the Cardinals learned how to pick it up, and they just killed them. Hmm. He wouldn't make any adjustments. He refused to like. You know, say acknowledge that he was tipping his pitches, even though coaches, players, people in the front office and the dietists were telling him he was doing it. I mean, this year it's a little different because the Dodgers have a healthy peak starting rotation, and I can't imagine that they would have to use Kershaw on three days rest like they've always done in in, in the past mm-hmm. in the postseason. They could let him pitch, uh, you know, at every fourth day. Plus, he's got, you know, he, he missed a month with the back. He doesn't have the back of, of, of innings that he's had in the past. And I'll be interesting to see with all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, there's a mindset to this, and you know it. And I was talking to Bochy about this yesterday. If, for my money, I mean, we're talking about, and I'm writing a column today, as Terry Lovello asked, you know, I, I, I hooked up Bochy and Lovello because Lovello had never participated in a wild card game. 
and they're like plumbers on how they prepare for this game. So I said, well, have you talked to Pochi? And Lavelle tells me, no, I don't even, I'd love to, but I don't even know if Pochi knows who I am. I laughed and I go, look, I'll make sure he knows who you are. And I went and I talked to Pochi. They hooked up. And the first two words that Pochi said to him was Madison Bumgarner. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who pitched two, basically two shutouts in two wildcard games. You know, and last year won nine innings also in that game. There was nothing, nothing going into the ninth inning until Gillespie hit the three-run homer that won the game. Well, I'm sorry. They uh, they can't trade now. It's a little too late. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he prepared for those games. Yeah, you have a pitcher like that. That's true. Exactly. And wow. if, if there is a guy in baseball, and I say this is getting to arguments with the Kershaw faction for years, if I had the money... And I was told, you got one guy in the best game of the year, and this is the biggest game of the year, who's the best pitcher to do it? And my money would always be on Madison Pumgar. Yeah. Today. Yeah, he's like the Bob Gibson of his era. He really is. He's he's got that innate quality of being able to rise to the pigeon and like a hope. <laughs> yeah. Hey Barry, it's been great to have you. We unfortunately we got to cut to another last commercial break here, but thanks again for joining us on Sports Econ 101. Hey, uh, and we'll uh, we'll keep up with what Barry's been writing at mlb.com. You can go to mlb.com on your smartphone or on your home computer and uh, look at Barry's articles. He's he really knows his stuff. All right, last trivia question. Who was the first player in professional team sports to receive a million dollar a year contract? Ooh, good right. one. All right. Sports Econ 101. I'll be right back. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client 
it immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no-obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical, and some may not qualify. The consultation is free, and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. That was really good with uh, Barry. Yeah, he yes, knows his baseball. baseball. Oh, yeah. I forgot to ask him how uh, he thought Houston was going to do yeah. and, and if L.A. was finally going to do something. Okay, here is our my, last... my picks, by the way, for what it's worth. Dodgers, Cleveland, with Cleveland winning it. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. well, we'll but you know what? I, I think I think the Dodgers will get in this year. I think they're going to get to the World Series. Too good a team. I, I think they actually might just do it. The, the, well, of the, course, Adrian Gonzalez. The key is, playing, is beating so. Arizona. If they can yeah. beat Arizona, I think they can beat Washington or Chicago. Gotcha. Arizona's going to be tough. All right, last trivia question. Who was the first player in professional team sports to receive a million-dollar-a-year contract? Was it in baseball? Yes. It had to be during the seventies when the era of free agency occurred, and it had to be in the late seventies. And I'm I'm stuck on that one. I don't know. So far, you're you're exactly a pretty correct. a pretty well known yeah. player. Um, you're, you're so, you know, some, somebody was he a hitter or a pitcher? Pitcher. Pitcher. Wow. Late seventies pitcher. Who were some of the great pitchers in the late seventies? I'm I'm got a mind you know block here. Who was it? The Ryan Express. Oh, Nolan, Nolan Ryan, Ryan, who deserved every penny he yeah, got. Absolutely. Pitch, the pitch today was, what, 46? 40, something like that. Uh, was he I, think, I think he was. He was amazing. I remember when he pitched a no-hitter against the A's. I was covering this. Yeah. It was a sixth of his seven. He pitched yeah. seven no-hitters. The PR guy for the Rangers said, oh, you can go talk to Nolan now. He's in the back on his exercise call working out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is, and I thought to myself, well, this, this is why the guy's still such exactly. a great pitcher. Like he was 44 at the time. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. We're going to cut out. Here's our thoughts for the day. Remember, the, remember when he popped uh, Robin Vin- yeah, got Robin Vin- Vin- in, the, in, the head, yeah. in the headlock and was giving him noogies? Yeah, I love noogie. that. <laughs> yeah. Don't mess with the old guy. Yeah. I know. Well, it, it's it was kind of silly for Ventura to rush the mound because yeah, it's no like Ryan I, I, doesn't do no stuff. No one like Ryan that. didn't do that kind of yeah, stuff. He do if he's going to hit stuff. you, he's going to hit you. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's our thoughts for the day. You only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. I thought Ian Fleming said you only live twice. You know, James yeah, Bond. That's true. Yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. And you only live twice, Mister Bond. <laughs> Bond. Mister Bond. Bond. Yeah. And the best view comes from after the hardest climb. Oh, that's true. 
You're yeah. a hiker, aren't you? I'm a hiker, and I love. I, the other day, I climbed up in the hills above uh, the beach, and just oh, spectacular views. All right, tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long. <laughs>